This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. I know the state has reopened, but COVID-19, folks, the numbers are rising, and I'm just going to continue to urge you folks to stay smart and stay safe. The conversation this week is about gaining economic self-sufficiency in the black community. I learned some surprising news last week about the spending power of black America. In 2018, we spent $1.9 trillion on everything from grooming products to clothing in high-end stores. That's according to quite a few reports, including one from the University of Georgia. But you know, folks, you would never know it if you walked into a black neighborhood. You would never know it. There aren't any black-owned grocery stores, bakeries, nothing like that. You'll find barbershops. You'll find some black restaurants, but you won't find the necessary businesses that make a community thrive. And yet we spent close to $2 trillion in 2018 alone, and of course that number certainly will rise in 2019. The problem is, most of that money did not go to black-owned businesses. My guest today is businessman Howard Case Hill, and he is the owner of Howard K. Hill Funeral Services. You know, it's just time that black people start making a commitment to spend more of their money in black-owned businesses. I've, I've been talking about this for a very, very long time, um, about the need for black people to, I call it, take care of yourselves, take care of ourselves. Um, you know, we're in America, you know, for the most part, this, is, this has everything to do with capitalism. It has everything to do with 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 money so when you think about how america was was formed uh you know um there were folks from european that were you know came over here to race over here to try to develop the land uh, america gave gave away land to these folks uh and then they turned around and brought africans over turned them into slaves and developed the land and it was all free labor so, um, you know, when you're in business, I know that, you know, uh, labor is probably one of your biggest, biggest costs to, a, to any kind of business that you run. So you think about hundreds of years of, for the most part, free labor, uh, you know, all of the wealth, for the most part, is just kind of stored up in, in those families. Uh, you know, I went through a, um, a community foundation convening at, at Yale. Uh, and I, there was a foundation there that talked about the wealth gap between the different ethnicities. Uh, and the baseline was the wealth gap between whites and other ethnicities. And the, the wealth divide that was, was widest between blacks and whites. And at that time in 2017, it stood at 227 years. So, you know, for me, that's my baseline. How do we close this 227-year wealth gap? Well, in, in America, you know, it's about capitalism. It's about money. You know, it's about how do you make, how do you make money? Now, money is not all that I'm talking about, but 
in America, you know, the more you have, the more you're able to enjoy, you know, life on this land, so to speak, right? So you have, you know, and everybody wants life. Everybody wants to increase for themselves. So, um, so we have to, as a people, you know, we have to begin to take care of ourselves. The structural uh, structures in this country, the systematic racism that's prevalent in, in, you know, education, health, and economic systems that govern this country, the justice system, you know, it, it's, it, it's all um, impacting black communities. And we become, as a black as a black person, we become part of the narrative when we have the free will to decide how we spend our money, how we how we utilize our philanthropy, how we give, and we don't take care of ourselves. We don't take care. We don't invest in people that look like ourselves. So we. So so how we're given that, and I'm one of those who who, who is guilty. I know that I go to different stores and I look on their shelves and I look for mm-hmm. black product products instead of say going online and shopping at black owned businesses. I tend to settle for whatever is in that store. So mm-hmm. I'm a professional man. I am reasonably educated and that's what I do. How do we get other black people to reverse that thinking and stop looking for black products in these chain stores and start giving our money to black owned businesses. How do we start that? Well, interesting that you say, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're professional and you're educated and you want to, so, so, so the reality is, is that you have a puzzle with a thousand pieces to it. And we were all together. We, we, we together painted a picture. We were, we were a puzzle. We painted this picture when we would call it when we were in Africa, when we were brought here, it was just a whole bunch of pieces, thousand pieces now all in shambles. They're all over the place. So now we got to start putting the puzzle together and there's no framework right now. So the question, your, 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 how, how do we do that? We, we first, we have got to make us aware of how we are um, contributing to the white supremacy narrative or the systemic oppression narrative. To your point, I'm a professional and you just came to the, came to the realization that, hey, me going to the, the chain stores is actually not helping our community. But there are people who are professionals, uh, who have great jobs. Uh, who think that they are doing the right thing, but they will go to the chain store and just because they buy uh, 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 a black product in, in a white chain, they actually think that they're they're furthering the cause. Yes, as I or did. There's some, as you did, but it, it requires an awakening on our part. It requires education on our part. But I will say this here that if there's anything that's required more than anything else, it requires courage. So what happens with professional black people? Professional black people, they go to school, they get educated. Nine times out of 10, they're probably gonna get educated at a white institution, okay? Now, what you do is you learn how to become a person that 
furthers white supremacy by working, getting a job and working within a system that actually oppresses the people that look like you. You become part of the narrative, not you personally, but as a, as a person, as a professional, you become part of the narrative. And on top of that, when you get in there so long, now you get into a career, you see injustices happening to yourself. Sometimes people will speak out, and when they speak out, a lot of times they're getting fired, they're getting moved, they're getting demoted, all kinds of stuff has happened to them. Most black people are just going to keep their head down. They're going to protect themselves. They're going to give what they can, protect themselves and their families. They're going to have their, little, their, their family plans. They're going to deal with the glass ceiling. They're going to deal with the microaggressions. They're going to deal with all of this stuff so that they can get to the point to where they retire. And they're protecting their retirement. That, for us, I, I call this, we have got to be willing to die. We've got to have courage, and you've got to be willing to die. Not physically die, but you have to be willing to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to stand for this, and yes, I'm going to put my life and you know, my my financial security on the line, my children's financial security on the line, because this is not right. This movement right now is a perfect platform for us, those professionals, to stand up, because, but it's fear of losing that, that security that you've built. It's that fear that always holds us back. Those are the, those are now the new the new shackles. If you understand what I'm saying. Yes, so, I do because I'm kind of writing about something in the same vein for a Sunday. So I understand exactly what you're saying here. Yeah. So and 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 so so the silence and when when it comes to the professional people, see what, what we're seeing in America. What America is seeing. America is only seeing one side of the oppression. They're only seeing one side of the systemic racism. The systemic racism that racism that does the most damage to us is when we educate the minds of our black people and they become part of the narrative. They become part of the systems that oppress us. We look good. We got nice houses. We got nice cars. We got our kids going to school, but it's just more of the same. It's like being on drugs. You get you get this euphoria. You get this high. The high keeps you going, and 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 you know when you forget about everybody else. Where you, you forget come. about everybody, right? Right. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. We're back talking to businessman Howard K. Hill, and he is the owner of Howard K. Hill Funeral Services, which um, has three locations in Connecticut. We're talking about the lack of support that black businesses get from black people and how we are faltering economically as a community because of it. We got a lot of work to do within our community. That's nice that we're marching and everything. Let the white folks deal with they whatever they got to deal with, you know. When it comes to Black Lives Matter, they got their own they got their own journey to go to be on, and we have our own journey to be on as well. I'm waiting for the clergy to step up because that's those are the biggest institutions within our community that have the capability to be able to deprogram, deconstruct racism inside the thinking of Black people and re- reconstruct a new healthy way of thinking. 
I'm waiting for the clergy to stand up. Yeah, I am too. I, I agree with you 100%. I think the clergy has a responsibility here to move past the 1950s rhetoric and exactly. step into 2020 because it is yeah. about economics. And that is the Absolutely. message we really need to get to people. The, I, I, I believe that a big danger lies within ourselves and our inability to come together and overcome and solve many of the problems in the black community ourselves because right. much of this we can change ourselves if we just come together Over. and do that absolutely absolutely the, the black community when you aggregate the black spending we 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 would we would be the ninth most richest nation in the world we spend somewhere between, I don't know if you probably heard this before, but it, it's somewhere between $1.8 and $1.9 trillion a year. A I, know, year. I know that our dollars pack a, a, a lot of power, and they pack yes. a powerful punch. But problem is, the punch is going in the wrong direction. And, exactly. And that is what we need to find a way to reverse, I agree. I like I like the protests. I like the tension behind them, but mm -hmm. I want I want out of this to come real change. And we have been down this road before. And mm -hmm. the protests sound nice. They get the headlines and all the rest of that. And I believe the people out there are very sincere. But if we go back to the same thing, then what good are they? So the change has to come from the black community and the black community's way of thinking about itself. I was talking to a young man who talked about a playground and the need for playgrounds. And I said to him, what we need are a bunch of fundraisers. They put that playground up ourselves. I said, we don't, mm -hmm. this is a playground. I said, there are things that we can do. So, Howard, you are a successful businessman. What is in the eyes of, In the eyes of many. In the eyes of many, you're a successful businessman. Yes, it, it, and and, that, and that, that that's the perception of many. But I also feel in in my own right because I I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I don't like to I don't like to hear that because I'm not successful. You know, I'm not successful is because I have not done enough work within my own community where black people will only choose black funeral homes. Not just me, but just black funeral homes. Now, the last opportunity that you have to practice what Dr. Anderson calls group economics is on the funeral service. And black people routinely choose white funeral homes over black funeral homes. So in my mind, I'm far from successful. Until that changes, I will become successful. I just wanted to clarify, have a point of clarification for you. You know, that's, um, I had no idea. To my knowledge, and I'm, I'm thinking of the few people that we have buried in my family, they've all been buried by black funeral uh, policy. So I am shocked to learn that, in your words, many black people turn to white funeral directors. Is there a reason for that? Or is, is, what is your, what is your, what do you think is the reason for that? It's 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 the internal it's internal racism, uh, meaning within the black community, and it's it's the external pressure 
uh, of the of white supremacy. Again, we need diversity at the top, and there's not too much of that, and that is on black America. Uh, black America must demand certain things for their money, and until they understand the economics uh, and the power of their dollars, I don't see much changing. Howard, I appreciate you talking to me. Uh, anything that you want to add? I applaud you. I thank you for for you know getting getting this this story out. Um, I do think personally, I think that there's certain things that need there's certain discussions, particularly around the black community, that need to be had with black people, and then there's 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 conversations that need to be had in white in the white community. And those discussions should start right now. Like I wrote in my Sunday column, these are uncomfortable times, and uncomfortable times call for uncomfortable conversations. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, have a comment about the show, or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. And remember, start your Sundays with my column in Hearst, Connecticut newspaper statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk, Real People. Have a good week, folks. We'll talk again next week.